0: Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. The content of this radio show is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome to One Soul Radio, an interactive conscious conversation grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit, with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome, everyone, to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. This is a show for you and by you, a virtual community creating conscious conversation and the opportunity to have a place to delve a little bit deeper into your life in a way that you might not do on your own, might not do on your own. We are the show that is grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit, and we hope to offer you a perspective from both worlds, both sides of that coin at the same time, that we're not sure you're able to find anywhere else. So we hope you enjoy. My name is Callie Alpert. I'm here with my dear friend, co-host, and psychotherapist, Steve Hassenberg.
1: Hello, Kelly. Hello. And every show, I do delve deeper.
0: <laughs> I know, we delve as we delve for everybody else, right? That's huh. sort of, the it's all a mirror, isn't it?
1: We're all diving together.
0: We are deep diving at the deep end of the pool. That's what we aim to do. We are not afraid to jump into the deep end of the pool. That's where all the fun is. No, right? we're not surface dwellers. <laughs> we're not very good at that. No, that's my weakness. <laughs> So how much self-love, dear listeners, do you possess? Do you spend more time with negative thoughts towards yourself than positive ones? Do you know how to be gentle with yourself and treat yourself well? Or perhaps you're not even yet aware of how much you beat yourself up in big and subtle ways. And the subtle ways I think we're going to spend some good amount of time on today because those are the, the ones that aren't as obvious. Well, today we call our show, Why Is It So Difficult to Love Myself? We will help you identify ways you may not be loving yourself as you could be, the detriments of doing so, and the spiritual reasons behind lack of self-love. Steve will teach us a beautiful loving-kindness meditation, and later our action steps are here to help you love on yourself in ways you've never considered. So welcome to our show. So let's start with um I, I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not sure if this is a Buddhist phrase or one that I just picked up somewhere, but it's definitely been around for a while, and it's just the general concept that ideally we want to treat ourselves the way we would treat our best friend, and yet it's a novel concept to a lot of us, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, it is a Buddhist concept. okay, good. I'm glad I was on point about that. Well, you were probably walking around Ladakh somewhere and somebody said it on the street corner.
0: I think that's probably where I was when I (laughs) picked it up. Yeah, you're right.
1: (laughs) So uh, treat yourself like your best friend is um, a Buddhist statement, but it's also kind of a Buddhist ideal. Mm -hmm. Because if we treat ourselves better, then our physiology is better over time our mood is better, our actions are more in alignment with, um, uh, let's say, our higher self. Mm -hmm. And if we treat ourselves poorly, I won't even go into that.
0: (laughs) <laughs> because we both know it really well.
1: We know how bad that
0: gets. Yeah, right? it gets icky, the repercussions. And again, big and small, it can be, you know, it shows up in your relationships, it shows up in just the way you feel about yourself, it could show up in your weight, it could show up in your health, your physical appearance. I mean, it's, you know, again, those are just a few of the, um, few of the, The ways that it um that it kind of reflects but we'll be getting into deeper detail about that i also want to make sure everybody has the number to call in today if you want to share any questions stories get some hopefully um insight and uh, helpful guidance please join us at 816-251-3555 um so there's many things we're not fond of in ourselves. And you, know, you gave this uh, statistic when we were talking about the show the other day, the amount of negative self-talk, like how pervasive it is, how good we humans are at those perseverating, unhelpful thoughts in our, the wheels in our brain. That human beings have somewhere between 60 and 80,000 thoughts every day, and 80% of those are repetitious.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how they did that study.
0: Yeah, that's true, right? I mean, how do you gather that? Did somebody raise
1: their hand every time they were having a thought?
0: Right. It's like when you're when they're on the, when they're testing the amount of cars that traverse a certain yeah. street, and they have the line, you know, whatever that wire across right. to count the amount of cars that are crossing the crossing that area. Yeah, I don't they know how they did ex- it.
1: They must have extrapolated from one single minute. Mm. And 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 yet at the same time, thoughts are so subtle that it's difficult to know how many we're having. Like if you meet somebody in the street, the amount of thoughts that are going on, who is that person? What is their name? When have I seen them before? Uh, are they related to my sister? There are a million things go on. Have
0: I slept with them? Oh, wait, that's, <laughs> no, just kidding.
1: <laughs> that's, that's true. And then if you did, there are thousands of other thoughts that come rumbling through your mind.
0: And it's also, well, (laughs) exactly. Was I in jail with them? No, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm making up a sordid past that I never had. That's really what my questions are informed by right now. Um, but it's amazing, like, even when you articulate it like that, and you named each of those respective questions, it, it, and when you're the one having the experience, it feels like one just blurb of one question. I mean, you're not, most of us are not conscious of the, the momentum with which our brain is, like, spewing out these it's so thoughts.
1: fast.
0: Right? It's really, it's, it's so pretty wild. fast.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of the ways that some of the more common, like the loudest ways that we might not be, you know, that we might be lacking in the self-love department, where we seem to be maybe a little bit better at um, bashing ourselves than we do at loving ourselves. And that's sort of what we're aiming to do is to help shed some light on that, the difference that, Obviously not the difference between the two, but creating a space where we notice which one we're doing, right?
1: Is that like the dark
0: side and the light side, Callie? Perhaps. Right? Perhaps it could be, right. There's a what? space in the middle.
1: I mean, here's my question for the day, and maybe somebody in the audience can answer it. Why are we so fond of the dark? Mm. How can we have so many negative thoughts about ourselves? And how come there's so few positive? And I'm not talking about everybody, but in general, you know, certainly in my field, people are coming in with wheelbarrows full of negative thoughts.
0: (laughs) And dumping them in your office or in your Zoom meeting, right?
1: Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's really, well, it's, and you know, I've talked about this along the way. I mean, it seems like that's more of the natural, like the human reflex is, at least on a collective level, right, that we're better at, finding our joy through pain than we are finding our joy through joy. I like that. Well, you've sort of said that before, so I'm just well, you, smearing. You, that could be a good book. I'm reinterpreting your words. Well, I like uh, it a lot. Yeah, it's really, it's kind of to your question. So let's put that out to our callers. If anybody has an answer for our questions, so let's turn the tables. We yeah, welcome that as plan. well. Call us and, and join us and and give us answers because we have plenty of questions as well. So some of the most common, uh, like loudest ways in which um, lack of self-love shows up, I think, in our daily lives could be anything ranging from um, body image, bad body image, and, and sort of attacking the way we uh, feel that we look, not feeling that we're smart enough. Feeling like we're imposters and have imposter syndrome, that we're sitting in meetings and, you know, we say something stupid or we didn't articulate ourselves as well as we could or we don't deserve to have this relationship or this job. Um, Any others that come to mind just in terms of like the most common, especially what you see with your clients? Well, those were all
1: mine that you mentioned. (laughs) And mine. Well, certainly with my clients, the, the issue always comes up, am I enough? mm
0: mm-hmm.
1: Or I'm not enough. Right. Or how come I'm not success? Or is, here's enough again. How come I'm not successful enough? Or what am I doing wrong? I don't have a man in my life. Or I don't have
0: oh, a man in my that life. that sounds familiar.
1: <laughs> Those are the ones I deal with a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's actually a great kind of bottom line is the you know, we're not enough thing. Are we enough? Are we enough? Are we enough? Um, Panash Desai, who is a great uh, healer and spiritual teacher who we featured um, at Omega Institute for many, many years, has courses um, titled exactly that. You know, you are enough. It's a very, very big theme for his work. Uh, and it is a bottom line kind of human syndrome and desire uh-huh. that we all have is to know that we are just as we are, but it takes a long time to get there. Um, some of the more subtle, this is where I felt really intent on making sure that we cover this part uh, of this topic is the more subtle ways that a lack of self-love shows up in our lives. And I say this um, having come from starting to recognize this in myself. I remember just as a little sidebar for a lot of years, I wasn't conscious of major self-beating uh, up or like a self of la- uh, lack of self-love. I guess I didn't really think about it that much. But I certainly wasn't c- conscious of uh, anything I was doing to keep myself from feeling more um, supportive of myself. And I remember my very first therapist that I um, started seeing in my 30s in New York City once told me how hard I am on myself. And I had no idea. I was not conscious of it at all. And that is a form also of sort of a lack of self-love is being hard on yourself and trying too hard. Um, But what it did is it opened the door for me to become more aware and sensitive to different ways that this shows up in my life. So some of the ones that we uh, were thinking to, to sort of point out would be when you feel like you have a lot of regret, when you feel a lot of shame towards yourself, when you're unforgiving, even toward others When you don't have the greatest self care or health habits, if you don't exercise, if you and I'm making generalizations here, obviously, there's nuances in all of these, you know, if you imbibe or indulge too much, if you don't eat well, if you don't express yourself openly and, and confidently because you don't feel like you're taking ownership of all of your feelings If you avoid things, if you own, like if you take too much responsibility and are constantly answering to other people and taking on too much, that's one that I relate to a lot is the over-responsibility thing. Putting other people's needs before your own. And then I thought of a really quirky one earlier today, which had to do with um, holding on to broken items or like ripped clothes. It sounds like such a kooky example, but I was thinking about how it could fit into this category, you know, for years. Um, you know, I'm a little bit of a boho anyway. I'm not a great consumer. I hate clothes shopping. I wear things to like the death of them. And but I realized there are times where I was holding on to like shoes that might have had holes in them. And it wasn't until I woke up to like, why am I doing that? Why don't I just go buy myself a new pair of shoes that I wasn't really honoring what we're talking about to the fullest of capacity. So, you know, or why are you holding on to a broken piece of equipment? You know, and again, this doesn't, what do you think about that? Because we didn't talk about that one. Is that crazy?
1: No, as a matter of fact, it brought up a story that Bill Cosby told. Oh, tell us. The good Bill Cosby. When we all used to love Bill Cosby. Yeah,
0: I met the good gum Bill Cosby. Uh Uh-huh. I did.
1: And so Bill Cosby said he had, he had built, a very large room as an addition to his house, and he had all the clothes he had ever worn since he was a boy in that room. Mm. And the whole sense was that, um, I'll never, there'll be a time when I'll look back and I'll realize that everything that I had, I thought I would lose, mm. and so I put all of it together. So I remember that. I thought it was very profound. Yeah. But I also want to say that as we're going over these, uh, the feeling that comes to me is how difficult it is to be a human being Mm -hmm. and how difficult it is to accept all of the nuances and the details of what we have to deal with every day when we get up in the morning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a ride.
1: It's, a, it's an extraordinary experience. And so what we're talking about today is how to make peace with our parts.
0: Mm, I like that.
1: And because um, we have so many parts, some of our parts are very delicious and wonderful. And we are easily accepting of them. And many of our parts are very difficult and ugly and, and uh, tenacious And we're going to talk about accepting those, too, and why they're there. Yeah. We
0: have have a caller. Let's see if I can get the caller on the line. And then we're going to go into the spiritual lessons behind lack of self-love. Caller, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi. Can you tell us your name and where you're calling from?
2: Hi, this is Jan. I'm calling from Los Angeles.
0: Hi, Jan. Nice to hear from you. Hi. Do you have a question or Thank a comment you. for us today?
2: Oh, I do. Um, I find that there are parts of myself I can easily love,
0: mm. and
2: yet there are other aspects of, of, of myself it's not so easy. Like in some areas I feel so confident and secure and self-loving, and with other areas, it's almost impossible, specifically body image. You know, if I'm going to pull up one uh, one aspect, why yeah. is this?
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, your, your te- first of all, thank you for that. And it's also very honest. And if I had to generalize, I'd say it's more common in women than it is in men. Not that men don't have body image um, issues either. We
1: don't care that much.
0: <laughs> so why don 't steve why don 't you start with that one because we tease us up perfectly to the next thing we wanted to talk about too. well,
1: you know what i 'd like to say to Jan is um, what I tell my clients, and that is self confidence is contextual, which means that in certain areas and this has a uh, a kind of a history to it. In certain areas, we feel much more confident. I always felt very, very confident in my, pre- my psychology practice. I didn't feel very confident in social set- settings for a long time. I felt very anxious going into large groups of people. And so in my psychology setting, I could be very self-loving. It was easy for me to love myself. In the setting with a lot of people, I had a very difficult time accepting anything that I did. I was always worried I was going to make a mistake. I was worried people were going to reject me. And I had to find a way to come to terms with that. So if you know that it's contextual, you know that parts of us are highly, more highly developed, and the parts that are less developed we have difficulty with, And those parts make us feel shaky and wiggly and Mm -hmm. unstable. And um, that's the place where we're being asked to do some inner work.
0: Does that resonate for you,
2: Jan? It it does. does. It really does. Yeah.
0: Sort of the chasms. I think it's, you. you know, we talk about this a lot in different contexts, but I feel like it's, always really helpful to remember to steve's point that we human beings are made up of so many different layers and they all have very unique energies and some we're better friends with than, than the other ones you know it's just like we are with people there's people there's just um energy sort of personalities whether they're inside of us or outside of us that we resonate with more and have more comfort um more organically and the ones that require a little bit more work and a little bit more attention focus and and love right
2: Right, right,
0: right. This might be... Okay,
2: so the reason is because it's contextual, contextual.
1: Yes. When I was talking about historic things, it means that when our personalities are forming, Mm -hmm. they're being formed by uh, nature and nurture, they talk about in psychology. And mm-hmm. the nature part for me is, is genetics, but it's much deeper than that. The nature part for me is past lifetimes. And that those past lifetimes are woven into our personality. And some of those past lifetimes are highly developed. So somebody could mm-hmm. come into this lifetime like Yo-Yo Ma and play extraordinary music at, a, at four years mm-hmm. old. Because that was woven into his personality from lifetime after lifetime. And then there are other areas that have been much more difficult, and those are woven in, to give us opportunities to grow. So that's the nature part, and the nurture part is obviously uh, how those things are nurtured in our early family environments. Mm. And so some of those can be brought out or they can be suppressed. All kinds of things can happen. It's, it's a wild world.
0: Jen, are you a believer in past lives and kind of the karmic threads oh, totally, and stories that we take with us? Totally. Totally. Yeah.
2: When he said that, it totally uh, came together and made sense. Um, so now I know where to go with this. That's mm. fantastic.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your question. We always appreciate our caller. So gratitude to you. Thank you.
2: Thank you
0: so let's talk a little bit more about that because um, this kind of cues up to the idea of one of your favorite words vasanas which I think we should talk about I mean this sort of thinking uh, requires number one that people believe in the idea of karma or at least are well you know open to considering it right and that there is in fact a very deep, human or soul history that we have that well predates this version of ourselves in some ways as i've come to learn um this these sort of traditions more deeply it i don't say it lets you off the hook but it 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 softens the the edges a little bit
1: <laughs> it because softens you, them very
0: you well know, it does because you know like i'm very predisposed you know this about me to kind of o- over owning and putting so much pressure on myself sometimes to work things out and sort through and hold up a mirror and i could drive myself bonkers on this path sometimes trying too hard and then when you remember to kind of relax to relax into the fact that there's a lot of other factors at play and if you can learn to observe yourself almost as a puzzle with different pieces that come from different corners of ex you know, reasons, whether it's past lifetime or your family of origin or your nature and environment, you know, this time around, um, or nurture, I should say, an environment this time around. I think it really helps. So can you talk a little more about the vasanas? I think that's such an important thing to teach.
1: Okay. So the idea of vasana comes from the Vedas, the Vedic tradition in India, which goes back about 5,000 years. And for some people who are well-read in world literature, then the books like the Bhagavad Gita, the Mahabharata, the Upanishads, are all from that time. It was a time of great wisdom. Mm. And um, the vasanas come from that time, and that's a Sanskrit word. But before I define it, I'll define another word, which is samskara. Mm
0: -hmm. They go hand in hand, those two, don't
1: they? And samskara means impressions left in the heart from previous lifetimes. And the impressions are feelings. So we have feelings about a lot of things. People have feelings about wars. Often they come in and talk to me in my practice. I'm afraid there's gonna be a war, I've had nightmares about wars. Oh, wow. And these are often about samskaras mm. rather than a prophecy. And so scar would be impressions left in the heart from other lifetimes. And the vasanas would be the beliefs about that. It's kind of the colorings, the wishes, desires, beliefs, and fears that come with the samskaras so a lot of the things we're talking about come from these two words these are impressions left in the heart and they're also beliefs that are structured around that
0: so does that mean you know if if somebody was lacking in the self-love department in a way that showed up with them overextending themselves to uh, partners having unhealthy relationships because they we're trying. You and I both connect with this one. Trying too hard, overextending ourselves in the name of feeling more valuable, which ultimately—well, you, yes, yeah. I mean, reflects a lack of self-love. Just yes citing yes. an example. It's so ubiquitous for so many people. Would you say that potentially that could have come from a past life imprint from a vasana?
1: There's no question that it comes from again nature and nurture. I don't want to leave out nurture, right?
0: Oh, right. right. (laughs) Some people have to be accountable for the nurture piece.
1: Right. So it's also possible you weren't loved as a kid. Right. Or one parent loved you and one didn't. Or there were a lot of arguments in your family. And that also catalyzes fears from the past lives. And they get stimulated when we're kids as well. And all of these kind of mesh and merge and marry each other. And it becomes a very complex and subtle understanding.
0: So then the goal would be to start to recognize these pieces, maybe look at all this kind of with fun curiosity, because I know it's a new concept for a lot of people. And as you always say, make friends with, right? Recognize and make friends with, take take. This piece of your personality in your mind's eye while you're meditating or while you're journaling one day, like out for tea or give it a hug and learn to love it and embrace it and get to know it a little bit better, right? Yeah, yeah I always like hot chocolate. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm about the martinis, but you're healthier than me.
1: So you want to offer it a cup of hot chocolate. Mm. And the idea is to understand that it's, uh, I'll say it again, it's been woven into your personality by you co-creating with your soul. And it's there for very profound reasons in terms of your growth and evolution
0: in this lifetime. I think that's such a beautiful thing to point out to people um, as we try to support everybody in becoming more gentle with themselves as to, number one, again, recognize these pieces and then get to you know, explore them instead of fearing them or running away from them. Ultimately, that can only help to make this puzzle one big cohesive unit, right? So we're going to take a break. Uh, When we come back, I can see we have a caller on hold. We're going to get to that. And then Steve is going to take us through a beautiful loving kindness practice. So we will be right back.
3: Glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio,
1: the
0: voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to One Soul Radio with Steve Hasenberg
4: and Kelly Appert.
0: Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. I'm Callie Alpert. I'm here with my dear friend, co host, and psychotherapist, Steve Hassenberg. And we are talking about all the reasons or the reasons behind um, a lack of self love and why that's so pervasive. We're talking about how to recognize that in ourselves, the big reasons that, or or I should say, the big uh, examples of when we are not so kind with ourselves, and all the subtle examples as well. And just learning to parse those out, recognizing that they can often be from nature, from nurture, from karmic history at their source. And so right now, before we get to our loving meditation practice, Steve's going to lead us on. We're going to take a call. And I hear a Skype sound in the background (laughs) for our dear engineer there working the boards. All right. Caller, are you there? Caller, are you there? Uh, Yes, I'm here. Hi, Hi. what's your name and where are you calling from?
4: uh, My name is Paul, and right now I'm in Delmore, California.
0: Well, it's nice to hear from you, Paul. Thanks for listening. Do you have a question or a comment you'd like to share with us?
4: Yeah, I I have a couple of comments. First, I love this show. It is great (laughs) psychotherapy. (laughs) Um, The the second is um, I like what Stephen said about the contextual basis of, you know, when we get into problems and when we don't. Uh, I think that's, you know, very profound and very important. And I just wanted to to say something about past lives. I don't know, you know, whether they're past lives or not. I'm not sure. Um, But I wanted to just talk to you about a a couple, actually one experiment with mice that kind of puts this, I think, in a more contextual basis. So Mm -hmm. if you take mice, mice are really tuned into their sense of smell, and Mm -hmm. they have favorite smells. If you put a favorite smell in a cage with mice, they will beeline to that smell. And the one that's Usually used is, is wild cherry aroma, but other fruit <laughs> smells and things have been used. So the mice will beeline to that. And so what they've done in many different experiments, but the the basis is as the mice go to this smell they like, they get shocked. And after a few shocks, they will never go to that smell again. Mm-hmm. They avoid it. Okay? So now the mice have a litter. The mice, the the descendants of those mice will not go to that smell. They will not go at all. And so what it points out is these past traumas, and, and instead of calling it past life traumas, um, I would say maybe ancestral traumas, but these mm. avoidance behaviors are coded. They're epigenetically coded in the DNA of the descendants. Mm. So, you know, that's there. And um, if we can get there in the context that this comes up and it's a problem, we can work on that so it's no longer a problem. And these epigenetic me- uh, mechanisms get reversed and we're able to enjoy life more. We're able to enjoy the, if you're a ma- mouse, the uh, wild cherry scent. So mm. that's what I wanted to point out. That's
0: all. Mm. Interesting. Thank you. Thank you for that. And a very interesting perspective. And right, the ancestral piece with everything that's psychological and spiritual is also another big piece that deserves its own show. I wish we could do justice, but definitely an important uh, mention, something to consider. What would you like to say about the uh, the patterning piece that Paul is sharing?
1: Well, that's exactly what I was talking about before. The idea that we come in uh, Paul likes the, the different word than I do, but the words don't matter so much. We come in, and some some of our be- most beautiful energies can be suppressed. And so, when I was small, my mother used to tell me, when I got older, that my father suppressed my curiosity, and that it made her very, very angry. Mm. And I had a wild kind of curiosity for many years. And so because that was suppressed, I learned how to dislike myself. And so this is what Paul is talking about in a different dimension. Mm. For me, it wasn't disliking cherry soda. It was disliking me.
0: Yeah. I can really relate to that, too. I have so many examples that come to mind, but because I also had my I don't have my curiosity squelched, but I definitely had it sort of judged in my family when I was a kid. The amount of questions I asked, the amount, you know, sort of I think they found my parents found it annoying. I know my dad did. Bless his heart. um, Didn't mean anything by it. It It's just not not how he is made. But I was also um, always told that I was too idealistic Mm-hmm. And little did I know how that would translate into impacting me as an adult and feeling like I had to really shut down. I started to judge that part of me. It's only in recent years that I've started to reintegrate it and embrace it and realize that I actually have a lot of love for it. Um, but this kind of self judgment comes in so many different pieces. So I think, um, Paul, what you—it's a that's a very sophisticated and heady and important uh, um, science, you know, and study that you offer. So we thank you for that.
4: You're very yeah, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. That's that's what I wanted to say. And I really appreciate your show. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much for listening for the kind words. They mean a lot to us. So with that, and especially I'll say just this to me, especially to you. Um, and as a I'll say as a quick footnote, because <laughs> I just found out I had a mouse living in the engine of my car recently that ma- that mice hate peppermint smell. And balsa, <laughs> like wood, smell. So here we go. Little did Paul know when he called that I had some you know, very recent empirical experience with uh, the training of mice uh, olfactory senses. But I digress. So shall we d- dive into a short little loving kindness practice?
1: Yeah, let's do a little loving kindness practice. So we start by closing the eyes, taking a few deep breaths. And then on the in-breath, breathing in peace, feelings of love. And on the out-breath, breathing out tension, restlessness, anxiety. So on the in-breath, feelings of love and peace. Thanking yourself for who you everything that you are. And in the out breath, letting go of tension and anxiety, and then we're going to just imagine having a state of well-being, emotional wellness, and inner peace. And just if you if you don't believe it, just imagine it. And then we're going to say some beautiful phrases to ourselves. And the first phrase is, may I be happy? And you can say it internally or externally. May I be happy? The second phrase is going to be, may I be safe? May I be safe? The third phrase is, may I be healthy, peaceful? and strong. May I be healthy, peaceful, and strong. And the fourth phrase is, may I give and receive appreciation today. May I give and receive appreciation today. And just allow yourself to feel that feeling, that warmth that may come over you what it would feel like to receive appreciation, what it would feel like to feel peaceful, strong, safe, and happy. And you could meditate on that, that would be a simple way to do it. But we'll go one more step. And the second step would be imagining a good friend of yours and then saying those statements to them and let that energy transmit all the way to their heart. May you be happy. May you be happy. Feels good to say that. May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be peaceful and strong. May you be prosperous. May you love yourself today. And then feel the warmth of that, sending to a dear friend, feel them taking it in, into their inner heart, filling up their souls with joy And that's called a beginning of a loving kindness meditation. Or in Sanskrit it's called Meta. And the two other the two other places you can go with that after you finish with a friend is sending those words to strangers or people in the world. You can pick a country, send it to all the people in India today. And then the most difficult one is the fourth step, which is sending it to someone that you dislike or are having conflict with. And this is a Buddhist practice, been practiced since the time of the Buddha, twenty-five hundred years ago. And it it's a good way of changing your physiology. You could feel an upliftment or warmth as soon as you started. So that's a beautiful loving-kindness meditation.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. I love that. We're, you know, for the sake of radio time, we're uh, speeding some of these practices up so that we can at least share them to some degree. But you'd suggest doing that even for five, five or ten minutes a day or a week? Yeah, I would say
1: even five minutes would make a very big difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to be a deep Buddhist or you want to feel good a lot, then I want to be
0: a Buddha without the belly part.
1: Okay, we're going to make you a Buddha without the belly. You'll be a beautiful, slim Buddha.
0: Beautiful. Um, but thank you for that. Oh, I okay. love your practices. and I, you know I can uh, I think about the 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 fourth layer of it, the the most challenging one about extending to people that you don't resonate with or might highly dislike. And I think about a few moments where I was lucky enough to experience that for different reasons over recent months, uh, especially during the height of some of the political craziness that was going on, where I and just kind of, Spontaneously, inside of a meditation, or someone sending Reiki to me and doing a little session, uh, found myself sending all of that energy in the deepest, most heartfelt way. Not it was not forced; it happened very, very organically to the people that I would resonate the least with in this country at that time.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was so powerful; tears came to my eyes. And the beauty, for me, what I benefited from, because it's not some selfless act, is. That, um, you know, it fills your body up with the kind of energy that creates that you can turn back on yourself, that creates more self-love, because ultimately sending out love and, um, and accepting it and bringing it in is part of this whole circle that we're trying to create. Right. It's really one thing, isn't it? As
1: they say, love is the only commodity that expands as you give it away.
0: Mm, beautiful. I love that. So let's talk a little bit before we get to our action steps. And if anybody would like to join the conversation and call in the last segment here, please do at 816-251-3555. About 13 minutes remaining. Let's talk a little bit about self-care. You know, I I, I brought up this book, I remember, that was on the shelf uh, of my parents, you know, our house when we were growing up in the 70s called How to Be Your Own Best Friend. It was written in 1971 and my mom had it like in our living room bookshelves. And I thought, what a weird concept. What in the heck does this mean? I didn't understand it. I didn't get like the concept of it. It just felt like a funny title to me. And I was too young to really get it. And my mother explained that, you know, ideally you want to be a full person on your own before you can really be full for other people. And even though I didn't understand the depth of that then, it was a cool thing intellectually to even be introduced to. Um, the other book title that you brought up uh, the other day, which is so apropos here, is our beloved John Kabat-Zinn's book, Wherever You Go, There You Are, seminal book on meditation and uh, mindfulness practice, right? And tell me what you think, when, the, when what does that title conjure up? What do you think he means by that title?
1: Wherever You Go, There You Are is a, a very catchy title. It is. You take yourself with you. You take all of your joy and all of your sorrows. The the here back to the Buddhists and maybe the Taoists who say it. This is a world of ten thousand joys and ten thousand sorrows, and so you take your own unique version of that wherever you go. And of course, the thrust of that book has to do with practicing mindfulness Mm, mm -hmm. and learning to step back from those 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows to a point where you have some uh, equanimity and you're not always being moved like a leaf in the wind. And so that it's a wonderful book if you want to learn how to uh, practice mindfulness.
0: Mm. And and that being a significant part of our theme today, mindfulness applies to everything. It can help anything. Right. But in the scheme of uh, self-love or lack thereof, it's a good way to try to become more grounded in your body and in your own psyche to recognize some of these pieces of the puzzle that we've been referring to throughout the course of the show. So let's talk a little about self-care is, a, is, is an expression that, uh, you know, gets thrown around a lot and can have some, you know, lighter or heavier uh, um, sort of connotations to it. But I think it's so important to remind people, you know, um, often when I ask people that I know or don't know well, people that I work with, uh, you know, are you practicing self-care? Are you too stressed out? Are you taking care of yourself? I, I've often gotten that reaction, like a crooked look, like "When do you have time for that?" or "Oh, I forgot. I haven't even thought about that yet." You know, as if it's a concept. So I think it's it might be helpful for everybody to, if we if we just kind of share a few versions of self care that we've kind of thought about in creating the show. Um, for me, I'm curious, Steve. You know what? How it most hits you when you think about what the most significant versions of self-care are. For me, it's everything from having boundaries and being able to say no when you're exhausted and you feel like you need to keep your own cup full before your cup can run over to other people, to seeking out stillness, to not sleeping with technology in your bedroom, Uh to having a daily practice. Oh, did you just fail? You just failed my test? I just did so quickly. Oh, my goodness. Um, do you sleep with a phone near you?
1: you I sleep have with it under
0: my pillow. Oh yes. Yeah, sure. You do. I don't even, I'm, I'm, I you <laughs> just sucked me and my gullibility in there for a moment. Um, you know, to buying yourself flowers, to taking yourself out for a date, to, um, you know, going and hugging a tree, like finding things that just make you happy and remembering to give yourself permission to do them. Again, I think our human reflexes is similarly to what we said earlier that, Often they're geared toward negative self-speak. They're often, often also geared toward a little like self-neglect.
1: Absolutely. It's, you know,
0: right? What are some of your self-care concepts?
1: Well, the first thing that came up, and I always take the first thing as the strongest. Yeah. When Cynthia and I first met, <laughs> and we would, I think we were uh, traveling to the Rocky Mountains for a week trip, I took all my clients with me. I mm. told my clients they could call me at any time. She was absolutely <laughs> furious at me. But I couldn't let go mm. because my issue was if I didn't help them, they wouldn't be in horrible situation. Mm-hmm. And so I had to learn self-care that when I went on vacation, I didn't take anybody with me mm-hmm. but myself and my wife. Mm-hmm. Mm that was a hard lesson to learn
0: yeah that's a big one and it's common you hear that a lot again uh, generalizing probably more for men than women like you take maybe not so much anymore but you know taking your taking your work with you so comes in so many different forms and i think that's a really that's that's a great and honest example and thankfully even if it might not have been the you know the best way to woo your beautiful lady at least you're you're here together now and so obviously she didn't hold it against you for too long so i'm glad for that we're no, just 20 years. <laughs> so I, we have a caller on the line. Um, we do want to get to our action steps. So why don't should we sneak in a quick call and then we'll do our action steps. Let's see. Caller, are you there?
3: I am. Caller is here. Stand by. <laughs> Hi.
0: Can we have your name and where you're calling from, please? Yes. My name is Nikki and I'm calling from San Diego. Hi there. Hi Nikki, thank you for joining us. I we want to hear from you. I just uh, we have a probably about two minutes with you. Yeah, so would quick. you like to share a comment or question?
3: Yeah, it's a question. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, the self-care thing, I mean I could get into that, but there is no time. That's definitely one of my least best things. But back to just real quick the um the two things left over from previous slides. Uh was it Samsara? What is the word, Steve?
1: Samsara.
3: Sanskara, gar, scar, scar, and, scar. and vasana. Appropriate. And the other one, and so I mean, it's such a beautiful thing the way you explain it, and you have to be in the past. And I, I'm sort of like Callie, like just so much hard on myself, and always looking at me and me and what's wrong, and all that. And so in a way, it's almost a, a, a gentle relief in how you explain it. But it also feels sort of like, oh my God. Like there's more work for me to do or there's more problems that I can't even access because mm. they're from my ancestors. So if you could just make <laughs> me speak to that, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, yes. I'm trying in this life to fix everything and there's more that I can't even access from previous lives. bag is bigger
0: than Yes, we totally understand that question. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I mean, I would say I definitely feel you, sister. I do. I get it. And Mm -hmm. like I said earlier, um, first of all, thank you for your question and for your transparency with your with your perspectives on these things because they're not often easy to talk about and share, um, especially publicly. I feel it too. I understand because I I think I I said earlier, I have a huge propensity for over owning and over digging and Mm overthinking and over taking it on. And in some ways I find relief with this one. I feel like I'm off the hook. I feel like I can look at it from a fun and sort of more poetic perspective. And yes, I understand the piece of exhaustion or, oh no, one more thing, one more modality to go into. But for whatever reason, I've been able to find a little bit more peace and in sinking into this, these concepts because they feel more sacred and bigger than me, if that makes sense. Um, they're more mm-hmm. in my spirit and not in my head. And for whatever reason, I'm able to Uh, to um, surrender more to them. I don't know if from Steve's professional opinion that makes any stitch of sense whatsoever, but that's sort of how I feel. I like that a
1: lot. Makes so much sense. I was giving you a thumbs up. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And so um, just quickly, because we have to finish the program, but um, if you practice mindfulness, if you are willing to practice meditation and you do it with some intensity, you'll find that whatever shows up is going to be easier to deal with, easier to resolve, easier to understand, and easier to transcend. And so I would say, don't get worried about all of these archetypes and ancestral energies. Everything that's (laughs) coming to you is for you, not against you. Even though they're, they can be very powerful, the more you come into silence and stillness, the more you'll have the capacity to overcome them.
0: Mm. Mm. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Beautiful. Nikki, so much. Really appreciate you calling in your question. Thank you for joining us. The other thing I want to say to that, too, to um, to Nikki, who I hope can still hear us, is that Therein lies a really great meta opportunity here, because I also relate to this very deeply in my spiritual work in my self transformational work i there's a there's a lack of self love sometimes because I'm putting so much pressure on myself to get further or achieve more or ascend higher or understand better. And, and this is a perfect opportunity to be, be gentle with yourself and give yourself, turn that self-love that we're talking about exactly onto that process. So I just wanted to share that as well. Um, so our action steps for today, and we're going to share these pretty quickly. Um, first one, write down 25 things to celebrate yourself. Find 25 things. It could just be one word that you write down on a piece of paper, cut them into little fortunes like you'd get in a Chinese um, fortune cookie, put them in a bowl. And have fun. Pick one a day and act as if. See if it resonates for you that you're generous or you're caring or you're creative or you're smart or you're industrious or whatever it might be. No right or wrong.
1: And you do one a day Mm -hmm. for six weeks. After you do it, put it back in the bowl. Take six weeks to change your habits. And after six weeks, you'll like and love yourself and embrace yourself
0: so much more deeply. Hallelujah. Oh, that's right. Cause six weeks it takes to change a habit. I gotta, I have to remember that one too. I have some habits that need some changing. Second one is pick something that you dislike about yourself, like a shadowy part that you feel shamed about, or don't feel like making friends with and write it a letter, write it a letter, start a friendship, create a pen pal relationship with it. And if you even want to go further, have it write you back but it sort of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about really starting to embrace these pieces of ourselves that we think we don't like because they're really there to catalyze us to make a lot more peace and to integrate ourselves more fully. And And
1: Just in addition, it's very cool to write to the part with your right hand and to write back from the part with your left hand. All kinds of wild things come out.
0: Oh wow, I like that, and I just that's that's an interesting one, and then finally uh, take yourself out on a date or devote yourself like a day to self care. Take yourself out for a walk or for dinner or for you know a cup of coffee with a delicious book that you love. You know, something that treat yourself in a way that you want to be treated and give that to yourself. Learn what that's like because not only does it help heal the pieces that we might not love, but it also magnetizes more of that coming from the outside. So number one, write down 23 25 things to celebrate about yourself, cut them into fortunes and pick one a day. Number two, pick something you dislike about yourself, write it a letter start a friendship, have it write you back. And third, do something nice for yourself. Take yourself out on a date. So with that, we want to thank everybody for listening. Please find us on One Soul Radio on Instagram, One Soul Radio podcast on Facebook. Next week, our show, Loving Kindness. We thank you all for listening. Have a good week.